Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have quite a few vivid images given to us today in the Gospel passage. And in order to understand what Jesus is trying to say to us, I think we need to first look at what we heard in this section from Deuteronomy. And as we look at it and hear these words, um, often I think it can sound uh, more simple than it may be or heading in a direction uh, that maybe it's not at first glance. Because we hear in this text, well, I've set before you life and death, just simply choose. Which sounds really simple. And then you would expect, if it's that simple, that the rest of the scripture is, and then the people chose that and they lived happily ever after. But that's not the text of scripture. What we see time and time again is the people screw up, God provides a new way, and the people find a new way to screw up. And God provides a new way, and we find a new way to screw up. The, the message just choose as if we could just perfect our lives and that would be sufficient, I think misses the point. Because if you look back to the creation narrative, the reality is we were never meant to do this alone to begin with. God breathed us into creation for us to be in relationship with God and God in relationship with us and for us to be utterly dependent upon God for everything. It was never about you just behave perfectly and that will be enough. Because God had to have known from the beginning we weren't going to do it. And in fact, what we're called to do is draw close to God and depend on God for everything. And as Christians, to allow Jesus to live in and through us. And as we draw closer to God, then Jesus should live more and more in us. Nobody's denying that. But we are not loved by God and in relationship with God because of our performance. We were just called to be with God. And then we decided, well, we'll do it our own way. But anybody who's tried to just uh, get everything right for more than an hour, we know we're not very successful. And the message of the gospel, if it's to be good news, the good news is, well, God has given himself for us and done what we could never do. Now let us live in the presence of God. Let us understand who we are in God's presence and allow Jesus to live in us the fruit that flows out of relationship not the works trying to please an angry taskmaster. And that again is an order of events that's vitally important. And that call to utterly be dependent upon God is that same message that Jesus is trying to make clear in this gospel passage. Where he keeps trying to say to us in each of these 
uh, statements that he's making, there's more going on there than may first appear to you. Because he begins first and talks about, uh, you shall not murder. And we think, oh, well, I'm off the hook. You know, and people will say all the time, I'm pretty much a good person, I've never murdered anybody. Uh, and we think, well, that, that should be sufficient. And Jesus says, but there's more going on in our hearts than we understand just by looking at some external criteria. And we are affected in more ways than we first realize. Because he says, well, if you've been angry, then you've murdered. Well, would we have a show of hands of who's ever been angry? You know, we can probably think of just enough times the day before. Because Jesus is saying, there's more going on there, and you can't do this on your own. You need God to do this in you. And then he says the same thing about lust. There's more going on. And then we have this image of, well, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Well, clearly he can't be saying, well, literally go and do this. Otherwise, you'd have to say, well, where do we draw the line? We'd have to chop ourselves to death. Because he's saying the, the problem is at the core of our hearts. And so if you want to go about, well, let's just try to cut it off, we'll be dead. And right, because we come to the cross and die and Jesus lives in us. That we cannot do it on our own. And we're not meant to take this text literally. But he's, we're meant to hear him say, well, to what end do you do this? And then fix yourself. And the answer is, again, we can't. We need God to do this in and through us. That without God, it is impossible. And I think it's the same thing when we get this text about divorce, and this has been plucked out and perhaps used by the, the church in a less than pastoral way for many, many years, uh, as if in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives all of these examples that we're trying to understand there's more going on here than we first expect. And then we take these two or three verses and we say, and then Jesus paused to give a complete theological treatise on marriage. But that doesn't fit with the rest of the text, to treat it in that manner. But I think Jesus is rightly saying, there's more going on here. You think you can just write a piece of paper and everything is fine. But you've missed the point that no matter how many pieces of paper we sign, there's more that goes on on the inside. And there's a memory and connection and all sorts of things tied up in a marriage that signing a piece of paper doesn't get rid of. It's not Jesus' statement about uh, divorce being the, the worst sin of all people and the, the church should be heavy-handed about it. That's not the point of the text. But Jesus is saying there's more going on than you realize. And you think you just do this external thing and it fixes everything. It was the same way in that litany of sins. And I know that there will be others that, that, uh, that may disagree on interpreting that. And even when I was talking with my, with my friends at Bible study, it seems to me that that's the way that we have to read it, the way that it flows. Otherwise, we get into trouble because even you get to the next section... Well, you shall not swear. 
Well, has anybody signed a document before a notary public? Or signed a legal document under penalty of perjury? Or served in public office or given testimony in court? Or served in the military? And you swear, now if we just take what is said literally, I haven't heard too many sermons about don't sign legal documents. You know, because that's not what Jesus is trying to say, but he is saying there's something going on when we swear. Be cautious of your allegiances. And so when we read these texts, we read them one by one in the flow, and we have to ask ourselves, what's the message that Jesus is trying to say? Otherwise, we can pluck it out and carry it a little bit too far and assume it's saying something uh, more literally crystal clear than perhaps it's meant to say. Otherwise, we could not swear to anything. Because it says right there, you shouldn't swear. And, you know, some of the times we can get confused when we're, when we're reading Scripture. If, if you open your Bible, it probably does something similar to mine, that it has all sorts of different headings, and concerning anger, and concerning oaths, and uh, concerning this. But... This is a product of the editors putting the Bible together. It was not written originally with chapters and verses and big headings as if we can read these chapters separate from this. And now there's a new heading. That's some of what we have done with the text. And sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it can create problems. But it should be something that we're aware of when we come to the Bible that it didn't come down from heaven all bound like this with these types of headings. It just flowed in what Jesus had said. And in light of that, we have to always remember when we're looking at the text to try to figure out what's going on, that have we read far enough before and far enough after that we understand the context of what we're reading. And then beyond that, we have to say, how does my takeaway from the text fit into the whole scriptural narrative? Which page after page after page is God reminding his people, you can't do this alone. I have made a way. And actually, the way that you find life is in me. And the way that we find death is to think that we're God and do our own thing and think we can just work our way perfectly if we just have the right system of rules, everything will be fine. Well, the Bible's full of pages of rules that people can't follow. And then Jesus comes and does perfectly for us what we could never do. And God's message then is, I have called the people whom I love to be utterly dependent upon me and to live in relationship with me every second of every day. That's what we're called to do. And as we do that, Jesus lives more in us. And the things that don't reflect the image of Jesus are put to death by the work of the Holy Spirit day in and day out by drawing close to God. But the good news is it's not dependent upon our perfection in order for God to love us. God loves us and has made a way. And now Jesus says, let me live in you. And then there's a lifetime of the Spirit working in us to change and transform our hearts and our minds to reflect the image of Christ to the rest of the world so that others might see Jesus in and through us 
and that they too might come to know the free gift of His love and mercy and grace. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for the outpouring of your love found in the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. May the Holy Spirit teach us day by day what it means that we are called your children, what it means that we are loved by you. Continue to work your way in our hearts and our minds that anything that does not reflect the image of Christ might be removed from us and replaced with his love and mercy and peace. May we come to understand that we don't have to work our way into your good graces, that you love us. May our lives be lived to your honor and glory. And may others come to know you because of your image reflected in each of us. And we make this prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.